0: All right, if you got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline. Or use the Central Church app. Genesis chapter 41 is where we're going to start. And like we have been every week in this series, um, we're going to jump around from Genesis 38 to Genesis 42. We're going to skip around a couple different places. Um, This is week number three of our series called Unexpected. It's a story um, of Old Testament Joseph, not New Testament Joseph. They're different guys um, who had some dreams and he followed God and God took him from where he was to where God wanted him to be. Um, but he took him there and he, and he fulfilled those dreams through a really unexpected path. We have one more week after today. And I'm going to tell you, um, next week, the message is not for everybody. Next week's message, uh, I've never, ever, ever said this before, I don't think. Um, but I'm going to give you permission to not show up. Because it's only for a certain group of people, next week's message. And that certain group of people is anyone who has ever had a hard time forgiving someone else. If you've never had a hard time forgiving anyone else, then stay home. You don't have to show up. Um, and by the way, I'd like to talk to you after this message today and find out how you did it or what drug you're on um, so we can get you help. So next week is all about forgiveness and how that uh, is essential in our walk with Jesus. Uh, let me set today's message up like this with a question. Have you ever lost anything? Anybody ever lost anything? Yeah, all of us have lost stuff, right? Isn't the most frustrating thing in the world when you lose things? Like, like for instance, your keys. How many of you have ever lost your keys? If you have a driver's license, if you lost your keys, isn't it awful? And that ruined the entire day. Friday, or, uh, yeah, Friday, we, we come in here, we record on Fridays. That's what, that's the message I'm preaching now is on the internet, but it's actually recorded on Fridays. And, um, I was late coming in here because somebody in my house lost their keys. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but his initials are Gyrogalagos. And so, And when you lose something like that and everybody's scrambling around and everybody's running late and you can't find them anyway, not only cannot find those, you can't find the spare keys and you're just like, ah, it just sets you up for an entirely bad day. So we've lost our keys. How about the TV remote? How many of you ever lost the TV remote? How stupid is it that the couch can swallow that thing like that? And you know it's in there, but you just can't find it. I've asked this in all the services, and some people knew, and some people don't know. How many of you have, because you've lost that remote so many times, you have an app on your phone to change the channels on the TV? How many of you didn't even know you could do that? Yeah, see, so there's hands in every service, and now, so you're going to do it right now and change the screens on the TVs out in the foyer. That'd be great. So we've lost that. How about this? Everybody who has one of these has lost this. A cell phone. How many of you lost A cell phone. Yeah, some of you ain't even being honest in church. And when you lose a cell phone, you also lose what? Your dang mind, right? Like you go absolutely crazy over a cell phone. Where's my cell phone? Where's my cell phone? I can't function without my cell phone. You can leave your Bible here in church for six months. And never think about it. You leave your cell phone here, you're calling me at two in the morning on somebody else's phone to let you in to get your cell phone back! How about a kid? You ever lost a kid? Come on. You ever lost a kid? Two kids? On purpose? We could do this all day, make a list of things that we lost. But it, isn't it, when, when you lose something, isn't it just like a great sense of, rea- like, just joy and excitement when you find what's been lost? Like, like it's just like, And you can go about the day and everything is back to normal and everything is perfect. I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about these past couple of messages and we're talking about the end of the story and how it applies to our lives. And I was talking about everything Joseph lost and he got all of this stuff back. And my friend made this statement. He said, yeah, but Ryan, do you realize he got it all back and then some? And, and, and that phrase like really stuck out to me because it's so very true. And I don't, I don't know that I ever really thought about it that way, that he got it all back and then some. Joseph got it all back and then some. And the reason I love that phrase so much is because it applies to our walk with Jesus so well. Many times in life, and, and this is this is so true for me. I'm not sure about you, but I, I think this message, like I'm preaching to myself right now. So often I Focus on the loss rather than the victory, and, and maybe you're like me. I, I don't know. Like, like maybe, like in life, especially in your in your walk with Jesus, you feel like you've lost so much, and it causes you to feel like, you know what? I've wasted my time. I've wasted my energy. I've wasted my effort. I've wasted my money. I've wasted my hope. I've invested all this stuff in a relationship with Jesus, and what have I gotten out of it? Nothing. Absolutely, I have nothing to show for it. There's nothing good. They could come out of what I've invested in. But do you know that God is a giver? Do you know that? The most popular, famous, whatever tag label you want to put on a verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he what? For God so loved the world, he gave. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God is a giver. And when you follow Jesus, you get back everything you've put into it and then some. Because anytime, anytime, anytime we receive something back from God, we always receive more than what we actually put in every time. And that's what we're going to talk about today, specifically in regards to this guy we've been talking about, Old Testament Joseph. And I want to make three points about Joseph's life, three things that Joseph lost and he got back. And when he got him back, he got him back and then some specifically in regards to that three things that that he lost and how it applies to our own lives as well. Number one, first thing Joseph lost was his position, but he got it back. And then some he lost his position, but he got it back. And then some, yes. Now I want to do a real quick survey. See who's been paying attention the past couple of weeks. Joseph had 12 brothers and then the ranking system, Joseph ranked number what? Eleven, right? Joseph was number eleven out of twelve. And we said in week number one, nobody wants to be number eleven. For for example, college football is getting ready to start. How many college football fans you got? A lot of college football fans. I can guarantee you there is not a football coach in America who has gotten in front of his team and said, Guys, 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 listen, 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 look, look, look. The goal this year is to be number eleven. Like boys, if we can finish number eleven in the nation, imagine what that would be like imagine our fan base we're gonna get t-shirts to say we're number 11 kids are gonna hang posters in their room that say number 11 we're gonna get our fans to shout 11 11 11, 11 nobody would be happy about number 11 i mean the hawkeyes would because at least they're ranked It's just too easy. And you know it's coming. You knew as soon listen, as soon as I said college football, you're just waiting for it. Here you go, are gonna going make fun of the Hawkeyes. I'm never coming back to this church. Sweet. Anyway, um please come back. I didn't I didn't I didn't mean that. Nobody's excited with number 11, especially if there are like 12 teams in the tournament. If you entered a tournament and there are 12 teams and you're number 11, nobody's happy about that. Unless you're an optimist and then you're trying to find something good. And you can say, well, at least I was better than one person. I mean, I might've been 11, but I wasn't number 12. Frank, you see that guy? Frank at number 12. I mean, I'm number 11, but he lost it all. He really sucks. Joseph lost his position. He lost his position in his family. Actually, actually, if if you really think about it, he didn't lose it. He kind of had it taken from him, didn't he? Remember he was, he was beaten up by his brothers, thrown in a pit. Talk, Talk about a bad day. Talk about a character building experience, beat up, stripped naked, thrown in a pit, left all by yourself. He lost his family position. Then he gets out of the pit eventually through an unexpected way. He makes it to Potiphar's house. And you remember he worked his way up in Potiphar's house, got a better position in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife, she comes in and she comes on to him. And and he said he refuses and so he takes off running and she grabs his cloak. And so again he loses he he loses his covering. He's losing his position and she he's running naked past Potiphar and he's like, "What's going on?" and the wife made up a lie and he gets thrown in prison. So he loses a position in Potiphar's house. And then he gets into prison. And in prison, he works his way up to a prominent position in prison. He becomes really good friends with one of Pharaoh's right-hand men. That same guy, the cupbearer, Joseph tells he tells Joseph a dream. Joseph tells him what his dream means. Eventually, he gets his job back. But he forgot all about Joseph. All through this story, he keeps getting put in position and losing it. He gets put in another position, and he loses it. All through the story, it seems like Joseph is taking two steps forward and three steps back. One step forward and five steps back. Has anybody felt like that, specifically in your walk with Jesus? Anyone want to be honest? It's like, hey, this Christianity thing, like I'm I'm trying it out. And I'm doing it, I feel like I'm making progress, but as soon as I make progress, I feel like I've taken two steps back. It's like one step forward and five back. It seems like we can't get ahead. We keep losing our position. And let me tell you what's dangerous about this. When we feel like we're losing our position, we put ourselves in the prison of self-pity. Have you ever thrown yourself a pity party? Have you? See, when I say stuff like that, half the people in the room are honest. The other half looked at me like you never sinned. Like your only problem was your halo was crooked this morning. Like that's it. Have you ever thrown yourself a pity party? Yes or no? Yes. And don't you get mad when other people don't come to your pity party? You feel all sorry for yourself and somebody comes over to you. What's wrong? Nothing. But but, but that person, like they're like really genuinely concerned and, and you tell them nothing was wrong and then they walk away and you get mad. Well, something was wrong. Then why'd you lie? Tell me the truth. Tell me something's really going on. Listen, anytime you fall into a pity party, anytime you fall into the progression of self-pity, God's not going to use that. Joseph, think about this. Even though he kept losing his position, he lost his position in his family, lost his position in Potiphar's house, lost his position in prison, never began the process of self-pity because self-pity always, don't miss it, self-pity always leads to self-doubt and self-doubt always, Always leads to negative self-talk. And nobody can talk about you like you can talk about you. Amen? Self-pity always leads to self-doubt. Self-doubt always leads to negative self-talk. And once we get caught up in that cycle, it's really incredibly difficult to get out. Joseph just kind of kept saying in these bad positions, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm gonna yeah, this stinks, but obviously God has me in this position for a reason. I mean he gave me these dreams, and I know he's gonna fulfill these dreams. I'm gonna hold on to them, and I'm gonna feel God holding on to me, and I'm gonna go through all of that, but but I'm gonna make the very, very best out of this. Joseph lost his position, kept losing his position. But then you remember Pharaoh? We left off last week by saying that Pharaoh had a dream. Actually he had a few dreams. His dreams freaked him out. And so he brought in all of his magicians, all of his advisors. He brought all of these people in and he's like, hey man, this is my dream. And they're all like, I have no idea what that means. And he's like, so I had this other dream. And they're like, I have no idea what this means. And he's like, how do you guys not know what this means? You're the smartest people in all the land. You're my people. How do you not know? And they're like, we just don't know, dude. And then the cupbearer is like, oh, hey, I met this guy um, down in prison. His name is Joe. And I had this dream. And I told him the dream. And the dream came true. I got my job back. Not only did the dream come true for me, but there was a baker down there. Remember, Remember that? Dude, who tried to go vegan with us, and 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 he, he ended up getting killed. Like he told him his dream, and that came true too. He got killed, and so Joe knows about dreams. And Pharaoh says, "We'll go get him." So they bring Joseph in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells him his dream, and Joseph says, "Oh, here's what that means." We're going to have seven years of plenty. In other words, there are going to be seven years where there's going to be a lot of food. And he said, after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. That's what the dream means. And he told Pharaoh, but if you manage these first seven years right, then the second seven years, when that happens, you're going to be okay. And so you should put somebody wise in charge so they can actually manage this for you. Now, Joseph was in a position all throughout the story, he had been in bad position after bad position after bad position after bad. But all of a sudden, he winds up in front of Pharaoh. In front of, this, is like, this is like the king. Like he's in charge of the, the person who's in charge of the entire empire. And he realized, you know what? I'm in a really unique position right here. And nobody's saying anything. Like he's saying this stuff, and then he says, "Hey, seven years of famine is going, or seven years of plenty going to happen, then seven years of famine." And everybody is quiet; nobody's saying anything. And Joseph, in that moment, speaks up, and he says, "This. This is chapter forty-one, verse thirty-three. Therefore, Pharaoh, this is him telling Pharaoh. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt." Now, hold up. This is a bold statement. Because again, all of Pharaoh's boys, all of Pharaoh's political advisors, all of the smartest people that Pharaoh surrounds himself with are standing in this room, and Joseph, straight out of the prison, says, "I think you should put somebody smart in charge." And, and I'm sure somebody could have said, "Did anybody ask you to speak? You smell. You smell. You, you got smell dungeon. You, you smell that? Boy, you nasty. Like like who are you to speak up in this moment? But Joseph." was like, hey, nobody else is speaking. Nobody else is going to speak up. And so he spoke up because he was in the position to speak up. He said, I think we should find somebody smart. Verse 34. Then Pharaoh, this is still him talking. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away. And guard it there so there'll be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Joseph is like, listen, if no one else is going to speak up, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Because he was in the position to speak up because he had been prepared to have this opportunity by God to speak up. And then watch what happens because he wasn't expecting this. This is, this is totally unexpected. Isn't it funny that God's greatest blessings often come at times when we don't expect them to show up. And we're not even looking for them. I, I love that. I, I, I don't love the process of that, but I love when it happens. And this is what happens in verse 38. So Pharaoh asks his officials, can we find anyone else? Watch this. This is huge. we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Re- remember last week, I asked you this question. What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew that God was with you? And hopefully you work through that question or you're working through that question currently. What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew that God was with you? See, I believe in this moment, there was no doubt in Joseph's mind, God is with me. He knew God was with him. And then he had this sort of confidence, not, not arrogance, because remember, he's out of the dungeon. He's stinky. He's smelly. He's in front of all of the greatest people in the entire land. And there's this confidence. And Pharaoh saw it. He's like, man. This guy has something we don't have. What did he have? Can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the spirit of God. And then he's like, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. In other words, my people are now your people. And that's huge because where were they? They were in the land of what? Egypt, right? Joseph wasn't from Egypt and now all of the people, all the Egyptian people, all of Pharaoh's people are now Joseph's people. That's huge. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. And then here it is. This is our theme verse, the entire series. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. So this is where we see Joseph. He lost his position at the family table. He lost his position at Potiphar's house. He lost His position in prison. But all of a sudden, we see it get it back. And when he get it back, it was, I got it back and then some. Because listen, in his family order, he didn't get moved from number 11 to number 8. He didn't even get moved from 11 to number 2 in his family. He didn't retain his position in Potiphar's house as a slave. He didn't retain his place in prison as a prisoner. He got put second in command of the entire land of Egypt. And that is why when God gives it back, he always gives greater back than what we Lost to begin with. Some of you need to understand that even though you feel like you've taken two steps forward and five steps back, you're going to get it back. And you're going to get it back in greater ways than you ever imagined because God always gives us immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? Amen. least well, number two loss is covering. Loss is covering, but he got it back and then some. Loss is covering, but he got it back and then some. Now, this part right here, every time I talk about it, blows my mind. Every time, every time I think about this. In fact, I was putting this message together, and it caused me to think back to a time long ago in a galaxy far, far away. I was a freshman in high school. When I was a freshman in high school, all through high school, um, there was this thing, and it, it happens today. Um, you ever heard of pantsing someone? You, you ever heard of that, pantsing? Anybody? Yeah, don't do it here. Um, but it's mostly like what guys would do to other guys if somebody is wearing sweatpants. When I was in school, you couldn't wear shorts. And if you did wear shorts, you had to wear them below the kneecap. Because obviously kneecaps are a major trigger for some people out there. Whoo! You see them kneecaps? Dang! Keep them kneecaps covered. You never know who you're gonna trigger. I don't know. So, I was wearing sweatpants. And, um, man, this like, (laughs) I've told this story like four times now preaching and every single time this, it just flashes like just right here in front of me to this day. This is how scarred I am. I can tell you exactly where I was standing in the Brownsburg high school cafeteria. I can tell you who I was talking to and I can tell you who did it. Preaching about forgiveness next week and, uh, get to that later. But I'm standing there, I'm talking to this girl and I think, She was in on it too. And two guys come up behind me. One of them grabs my arm and the other one grabs my pants and just drops my pants all the way to my ankles and yelled, everybody in the lunchroom. Thank God there wasn't social media back then. And it answered the question for everybody right then and there, boxers or tighty whities. It's just, I ain't telling you, but all of them knew in the moment I lost my covering. It was embarrassing embarrassing. It was shameful. It is still something I, I like. I can remember it today because that's, that's how bad it really was, which causes me to think to this story in Joseph about him losing that robe. He lost his covering. He, he did. Remember his father sent him out to check on his brothers and in chapter 37, verse 23. So his bro- when his brothers arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. And I'm sure shame and embarrassment followed. Now, I think we make a bigger deal out of this robe than it really was. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't think, I don't think it was that special. I mean, yeah, it's nice, and, and, and it had all these colors. But I think I think it was that thing that identified him because it was something his dad gave him. When When your dad gives you something, it's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like amazing like i i 've got a couple of things that, that my dad gave to me that are that're super important to me um super 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 special to me. You would think that they were dumb if I showed them to you you would you would be like that's 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 ridiculous, man. you can go out, you could buy something ten times better than that and and, and you 're right, but my dad gave it to me, and it's special to me. it means something to me. if you took it from me i 'm gonna be ticked off i 'm gonna be coming after you I, or I'm going to be upset. I'm going to throw myself that little pity party. Like I'm going to be, I'm, I'm not going to be happy if I lost it. And that's what happened to Joseph. He's thrown in a pit, stripped of his covering. He's completely naked. This is the condition that we know as shame. And there are people in this room that have experienced or are experiencing shame on so many levels. Something was covering up what you were dealing with, but you lost the covering. And you know what? When you lost the covering... You lost the marriage. When you lost the covering, you lost the engagement. When you lost the covering, you lost the job. You lost the reputation because people found out you're an addict. You lost what you had because people found out you had anxiety. People found out that you're stuck in depression and you lost your covering. And you know what? When you lose your covering, it's so shameful because it's more than guilt. And guilt says that's what you did. Shame says that's who you are. You're that person. You did that. Shame. And when you get shackled with shame, when we get shackled with shame, we can't move. And there are people here that are shackled with shame. The covering is gone. The reputation is ruined. And you think, there's no way. Like Ryan, you don't get it. There's, there's no way. There's no way I'll ever recover from this. Hey, listen, I understand that place. In fact, I I understand that place way better than I wish I did. But you know what? It may be what you did. It may be what happened to you. But in Christ, it's not who you are. And even if you lost your covering, you're going to get it back and then some. You're going to get it back and then some. You know how I know? Watch this. Verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful. What's that word say? Well, let's say it together on three. One, two, three. Robe, right? That's all he had, robe. It's a beautiful robe, but it's just a robe. His covering. Lost his covering. And then Pharaoh Pharaoh gives him all his accolades and stuff. And and watch what happens. Chapter 41, verse 42. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in what? In what? He lost a robe. He got back robes. He lost a robe. He got back. It's okay if it takes a minute to sink in. He lost a robe. He got back. Robes. I mean, if this one was stinky and smelly, he just took it off and he got another one. And not only did he get back robes, he got a signet ring and he got a chain put on. He's dripping. That's what he's doing. I mean, if you don't know what that means, ask your grandkids. They'll tell you. I mean, Joseph lost his robe and he got back robes. How does that apply to us? Listen, I know what it's like to lose your covering. I know what it's like to go through embarrassment. I know what it's like to live in the shackles of shame. But you know what? You lost your covering, but God's going to give you back robes, 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 robes of hope, robes of peace, robes of joy, robes of knowing that he is the God that can restore anyone and anything and does immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So you might have lost your covering, but you're going to get it back and you're going to get it back and then some, which leads to number three. Number three is he lost his dreams. Lost his dreams, but he got it back and then some. You ever had a weird dream? Anybody ever had a weird dream? I have weird dreams all the time. I'm not going to tell you any of them because then you're going to think I'm even more of a freak than you already do. So I'm not going to let you know. But weird dreams. We all have weird dreams. We all have crazy dreams. Every once in a while, somebody will call me. Pastor Ryan, I had a dream. Stop. Stop. I don't want to know about it. Like, I can't interpret it. I don't know what it means. Tell somebody else. We have we have weird dreams. We have crazy dreams. We have nightmares, right? Anybody ever had a nightmare? Like, all of us, right? We have crazy dreams. We have weird dreams. We have nightmares. We have bad dreams. And not any of those type of dreams do we have, but have you ever had a dream, like, in your heart, like, that you wanted to do more than you're currently doing? I mean, have you ever gotten home and sat down and thought, man, Life has to have more meaning than right here. Yeah, because we all have, because we all have dreams. We all have goals. We all have ambitions. We, we all dream. Joseph had dreams. Now, here, here's what you got to know. You have to be careful who you share your dreams with, because somebody that has no dreams will always talk you out of your dream. Always. I promise. This is what I want. Oh, you can't do that. Like, you know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? And and let me say this. I'll say this and I'll move on. Never let somebody who's not pursuing their dream talk you out of the dream that God put on your heart. Ever. I'll just leave that up there so you you can see that. Because that's huge. God put a dream in Joseph's heart. And all through the way, people are trying to talk him out of it. People are trying to discourage it. People are trying to put him down. Now, let's be honest. Joseph could have gone about it in a better way like in, in regards to the way he presented his dreams. But he's 17, All right? When he first gets the dream, he's 17. The 17, you're a little bit arrogant, you're a little bit cocky, you're a little bit self-centered. And so the way he presented the dream to his brothers, I can see if you're one of the brothers, you're going to get ticked off. Because let's review it real quick. Genesis 37, verse 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. And don't judge the brothers, because watch, watch what he says. Listen to this dream. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. In other words, this is my dream. All you fools are going to bow down to me. What do you think? And no one's going, man, that's the most amazing thing ever, little brother. Like, you're, just, you're right. You're so cool. You're so great. You're so incredible. We are going to bow down to you. In fact... They said the opposite. They got mad about it. Verse 8, his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign? Like, hold on, for real? You actually think we're going to bow down to you? Not only did they not believe in his dream, they did everything possible to make it not come true. They sold him into slavery. Figured, wash our hands of this kid. We are done with him. And then it took Joseph some time. It took Joseph some time to figure out that that dream that God put in his heart wasn't about making Joseph great. That dream that God put in Joseph's heart was about proving that God was great. And it wasn't about his brothers or other people serving Joseph. It was about Joseph serving other people for the greatness of God. Because don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The dream that God has placed in your heart will always bless and benefit other people. Always. 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 The dream that God has put in your heart will always bless and benefit other people. Think about Jesus. His life blessed and benefited other people. Yes or no? Yes. So the dream that God puts in your heart will always bless and benefit other people. Joseph gets sold into slavery. The whole thing happens. He goes in front of Pharaoh. He gets his robe and his ring and his necklace. Great things are happening. And then seven years of famine come. And when the seven years of famine come, people all over the land start starving. Not only not only um outside of Egypt, but, but up in Israel, in that area where Jacob, Joseph's dad and his brothers are. Like there's famine hit that land too. And the Bible says Jacob looked at his sons and said, Why are you guys still here? Go down to Egypt where there's food. Go down there and get us some food. They knew it was down there. And so the Bible says Joseph's brothers went down to Egypt. Now, real quick, just think for a second. What was Joseph's dreams that his brothers would do what? Bow down to him. And look at this. Chapter 42, verse 6. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they what? What did they do? They bowed. They bowed before him. Bowed, bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Skip ahead to verse 9. It says, and he remembered the dreams he had about them many years before. He lost his dream. but He got it back. And then some. Because it wasn't about saving Joseph and him becoming somebody great. This was about saving the world, which is why when God says in Joel 2.25, the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost. He gave it back and then some. He always gives it back and then some. That's where we're gonna stop the story. We're gonna pick it up and finish it next week. But let me close like this today. I don't I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you've lost, but I know we serve a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness and restoration. And he will give it back and then some. But see, because he is greater than anything that the world throws our way. We serve a God. I know I've said this over and over and over again this morning. But we serve a God who, who, who will always do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Because his love is forever. His grace is sufficient. And he really is amazing. So let's not focus on what's been lost. Let's focus on in Christ, the best is always yet to come. Because he gives it back and then some. Let's pray. Father, right now I want to thank you. I want to thank you for who you are. And I want to thank you for what you're doing. Father, I pray for the person of the people here in this room that feel, God, that they're they're just losing it. Or they've lost it. God, they feel like they've, they've lost time, energy, and effort. Maybe they feel like they've wasted time, energy, and effort in their relationship with you. God, I pray that you would let all of us know that you're working. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. And your greatness is greater than anything we're going through. Your greatness is greater than our storm. It's greater than our pain. It's greater than our trials. It's greater than anything the world throws at us. Father, there's no one, there's nothing greater than you. Help us to celebrate that. Celebrate it in our hearts. Celebrate it with our lives. God, remind us that what we lost, you're going to give it back, and then some. What the enemy stole from us, you're going to give it back, and then some. God, we thank you for unexpected paths and unexpected ways. Even though we don't like them, we're we're trusting you. We're understanding that you're holding on to us and taking us from where we are, to where we need to be. Mary is going to lead us in a song and we're going to stand and sing together in a minute. And if you need prayer, there'll be people in the back of this room who would love to pray with you and for you. Maybe you feel like you've lost something. Maybe you feel like you can't get it back. Maybe you just need that reminder. Maybe maybe you want to talk about next step. Maybe you want to talk about a dream that God's placed in your heart. Let us partner with you in that. Let us let's help you. Let us walk, let's walk alongside of you. That, that's why we're here. That's why we exist as a church. To, 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 to not do life alone. In this church, we understand we need the help of God and the help of others to make it through life. Life's unexpected. Things don't go our way. And so a lot of times we need help navigating that. Let us, let us do that with you. If, you. if there's anything you need, please let us know in the back, of the back of the room or at the welcome desk or see me after or one of our other staff. But God, as we, as we close this service, as we, as we worship you, God, may our offering be pleasing to you. And God, I ask that you move in this room in the hearts of your people in ways that only you can through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.